Visualize the situation with me. Your day is starting off as it normally would. You're donning your monk robes before you walk outside your pristine temple on top of a snow-capped mountain overlooking a serene village down below. You plan to perform a walking meditation for 100 miles before returning to the temple for your early breakfast consisting of fruits, sunshine, and the enlightenment of the universe. It's only 7 a.m. and you have the whole day ahead of you. Now, if your day does not normally start off like this, do not worry because most of us uh, do not have the fortunate ability to live so intimately in the present. Or do we? Hi, my name is Anup Kumar. And I'm Madeline MacArthur. And this is the Brain Rules Podcast. So the situation I just previously described is typically what comes to mind of many people when they think about meditation. That meditation is this activity that can only be performed in complete solitude outside of your modern lifestyle. Or that people have to completely empty their minds to, of any distractions, emotions, or thoughts, and that they have to have this blank void where everything turns to nothing. <laughs> so if sitting on a snow-capped mountaintop in scarlet and golden robes, pondering the secrets of the universe isn't an accurate <laughs> depiction of meditation, what exactly is? So meditation is a technique where you focus on attaining a specific state of consciousness. It typically focuses on being more mindful or being more aware of being in the present moment instead of having your thoughts pulled in every different direction. I know I can speak from personal experience that sometimes um, I let personal stressors of life prevent me from being my best self mentally, and I'm not alone. Many people experience this as well. So this is especially true for individuals experiencing any sort of mental illness like depression, anxiety, PTSD, or what have you. So if sitting completely devoid of all thoughts isn't right for you, that's okay. I know if I was told to sit silently for an hour every day, I would spend that hour napping instead of reflecting <laughs> on my life. Meditation is an umbrella term that comes in a variety of forms that can help you focus on your relaxed state of being. And this can be achieved through guided meditation, mantra meditation, mindfulness meditation, tai chi, or yoga. A quick explanation about each of these types of meditations. Guided meditation is that form of meditation where you form mental images of places or situations you find relaxing. You try to use as many senses as possible, such as smells, sights, sounds, and textures. You may be led through this process by a guide or a teacher. So this is a really popular uh, meditation type, um, as and it's also the grounds for a lot of meditation apps. Um, because when people typically start meditating, most people don't have access to some sort of tutor or teacher that can help them start, and they probably don't have any previous experience with meditation. So guided meditations are an easy way um, to get into things if you haven't had any experience before. And like I said, there's a bunch of apps available, and you can also find guided meditations on places like YouTube. For sure. And one really awesome app that I have used before is Headspace. Um, we are not sponsored by them, but um, it's a really cool, easy app that you, where you can meditate for 10 minutes a day, and it's free, um, and it's really great if you want to try it out. Um, anyway, continuing on, uh, another form of meditation is mantra meditation, and this is a type of meditation where you silently repeat a calming word, thought, or phrase that, prevent, that can help prevent um, distracting thoughts. For example, you could repeat the phrase, I am enough, which I think is really great. The next um, type of meditation is mindfulness meditation. And this type of meditation is based on being mindful or having increased awareness and acceptance of living in the present moment. 
This type of meditation forces you to broaden your conscious awareness. You can observe your thoughts and emotions, but let them pass without judgment. Tai Chi is another form of meditation that is known as a form of gentle Chinese martial arts. With this form of meditation, you engage your entire physical body by performing a self-paced series of postures or movements in a slow, graceful manner while practicing deep breathing. Finally, the most famous form of meditation we all know about is, of course, yoga. With this form of meditation, you perform a series of postures and controlled breathing exercises to promote, to promote a more flexible body and a calm mind. As you move through poses that require balance and concentration, you're encouraged to focus less on your busy day and more on the moment. I know especially like uh, whenever you first start off doing yoga, you really have to pay attention and focus to your body positioning and moving with your breath. Another thing that I wanted to add on to the mantra meditation, um, so like you mentioned, like one of the one of the phrases could be like, I am enough. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of um, depictions of mantra meditation, I feel like, um, people are familiar with is reciting the word OM and so like that is really popular in uh, Southeast Asian culture, East Asian culture and um, has various meanings but a lot of um, like the most consistent meaning seems to be like the sacred sound of the universe so that is like especially like in uh, Hinduism it's believed that like when the universe was created that was the first sound. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> now that I know what that means that uh, I, I, I'm not gonna lie it sounded kind of silly when people just be like home sitting around and not it's like more of a sound I guess in my mind yeah huh. and then um, another one that uh, a lot of people use is uh, the syllable ah and that's because um, that sound is really present in a lot of uh, different religions depiction of their version of a higher power or like a god like an overpowering like an over I don't want to say overpowering god <laughs> and all an all-powerful all-powerful god, all powerful god. Yeah. that's yeah yeah and so, um, like, we have, like, that syllable uh, in the word God, because mm-hmm. even though it's, like, spelled with an O, it still has that ah sound. Or, right. um, like, a Krishna is, um, mm-hmm. like, a depiction of Hinduism, or um, Allah. Mm-hmm. So, like, that, um, that kind of, like, brings out, like, the spiritual side of it, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be just a spiritual or religious practice. Amazing. So, yeah, so that's, like, um, that's kind of, like... The flip side to meditation, you don't have to have a religious tie to it because um, your mantra could be something like Om, and you not have a connection to Hinduism or any like East East Asian religion. Yeah, um, you could just be like, I am one with the universe, or I am enough, or that's beautiful. Like that. So yeah, amazing. <laughs> so yeah, that was like a little fun fact of the day. Um, so yeah, so getting more into the neuroscience. Um, of meditation. We had a lot of sources um, stacked up, but we, but we did not want this episode to be like 45 minutes long. <laughs> Trust me, we could have gone for possibly hours just talking about the research behind meditation oh, and yeah. neuroscience. It's we, fascinating. We might um, end up doing this as like a, like a two-part series, just like one part, which is this episode, just like introducing meditation and like the different techniques and all that sort of stuff, and then maybe like the second part more focusing on research, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, one of the um, studies that uh, I wanted to highlight um, was how meditation can influence brain waves. Um, so there's, there is actual scientific merit behind the claims uh, of meditation. So a 2009 study published in the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine explore the alteration of brain waves while meditating um, in different people. 
So this study was conducted at the Norwegian University of Science and Technology using EEG, or electroencephalography. Um, so caps, um, yeah, so electroencephalography caps to measure the waves. So let's define brain waves and EEG for a second. So your brain contains billions and billions of nerve cells, or neurons, that talk to each other through chemical and electrical properties. So we often talk about the chemical properties like neurotransmitters, hormones, all that kind of stuff. But these chemical transports are initiated by depolarization of a neuron. So what do I mean by depolarization? So depolarization means that the negative electrical charge on the inside of the neuron moves towards a neutral charge, so like meaning it does not have a net uh, negative charge. So this causes an action potential. So these action potentials are what allow the neurons to transmit information to each other. So our neurons produce these electrical signals, right? Uh, but they are really minuscule, like these, these, um, these electrical signals are within millivolts. Um, so that's really small compared to electricity you'll get when you plug something into an electrical outlet. So these electrical signals form patterns, and these patterns are called brain waves. So in an EEG experiment, small electrodes are non-invasively non attached to various parts of a person's head. So no one's like drilling anything into your skull, it's just an electrode that's placed on the surface of your head. So most of the time, there's this compressive-like cap, think of like a swimmer's cap, um, with electrodes attached to it. And you can just slip the cap over your head. So the electrodes aren't there to shock you, but simply read the signals um, that they detect from your brain. They amplify them and they send them to a computer uh, to further analyze the patterns. So the Mayfield's the Mayfield Clinic's page on EEG is very informative, and this is where we've pulled our information from this portion of the podcast. So going back to the study, uh, this press release of the study was published online at Science Daily, and they note that the individuals who meditated um, practiced a specific type of meditation called a chem meditation. So this is a type of mantra meditation, as Madeline mentioned before. Um, so a group of participants were asked to close their eyes and meditate for 20 minutes, and then just rest for 20 minutes. So during meditation, theta waves were the most present in the front and middle parts of the brain. So one of the researchers postulated that these waves likely came from relaxed attention. They also found that alpha waves were more present in the back part of the brain, or the most posterior part, where researchers say could be associated with monitoring other mental processes. Um, so they measured how calm a person uh, was by the signals projected to the lower parts of the brain. So like our innermost structures um, located in the cortex and not necessarily structures like the prefrontal cortex. So theta and alpha waves are different from delta waves, uh, which are associated with sleep cycles. So this is just kind of furthering the evidence that meditation isn't exactly the same as sleeping. And uh, we can see that by the production of different brain waves during these different processes. So you can find more about uh, these waves on the article Brain Waves and Meditation posted on Science Daily. That's awesome. Did they say anything, did the article say anything about like if the brain waves might be a little different if there are different types of meditation? I feel like that's, that's something that you could be expected, but, yeah. the, but that research article didn't particularly delve into it. That would be really cool yeah. when and if they explore that idea. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so moving on to um, something that's, kind of, that's connected to meditation, definitely, because it's meditation, you can consider it self-care. Um, and I, I personally find this... Uh, topic of self-care very interesting because it's become something of a fad 
yeah. if you will, in uh, today's society, which is like great. Um, but sometimes the idea of self-care and uh, treat yourself culture can kind of get, um, the line can get uh, blurry. Um, so kind of an abrupt transition, but um, talking about this buzzword um, of self-care, um, I'm sure we all have heard the phrase treat yourself, which was coined by the iconic show Parks and Recreation, of which I am a huge fan. Um, anyway, if you don't know this phrase or haven't seen Parks and Rec, um, which you really should because it's amazing. The, two of the main characters on the show, Donna and Tom, have a day once a year where they treat themselves to all the luxuries life has to offer, such as clothes, massages, mimosas, etc. This self-care culture has become more of a treat-yourself culture where we focus less on what we're doing to actually take care of ourselves and better ourselves and more on putting a Band-Aid on our problems, and such as taking a bubble bath to make our worries go away for a hot sec. Right, and so this kind of uh, escape escapism is really nice every once in a while, but packaging that as uh, self-care can be very misleading. Um, and so this is uh, kind of like getting into the topic of like self-care being um, on the same par as meditation, um, which like it can be, but when you're talking about self-care in a sense where it's just more of like delving into the luxuries of life, um, mm -hmm. instead of actually taking care of things that need to get done, then it becomes more of like this cultural myth that um, meditation could be a form of self-care. But, um, you know, like bubble baths are nice and they're a nice way to de-stress, but, you know, they won't do your homework for you or clean your apartment or pay your bills. I love that line. <laughs> bubble baths will not clean your apartment. So, um, I want to talk about an article I read recently that I sent to Anu and we both loved. Yes. It's called, um, This is What Self-Care Really Means Because It Is Not All Salt Baths and Chocolate Cake. And this article is fantastic. If you have time after the podcast, please go read it. Um, it's an article... Basically, the article talks about this modern idea of self-care and how it's actually unhealthy as unhealthy for us to put band-aids on our problems by eating too much chocolate cake or choosing to not do that thing that we keep putting off because you know treat yourself <laughs> what this article makes clear is that treating yourself is not the same as self-care it the article starts with the line self-care is often a very unbeautiful thing self-care is doing your laundry because you know you have the time now and you ha need clean clothes self-care is going to the gym even if you don't have a great even if you aren't going to have a great workout while you're there. Another great quote is, true self-care is not salt baths and chocolate cake. It is taking the choice to build a life that you don't need to regularly escape from, which I feel like with meditation, you're not necessarily escaping. Yeah. You're just putting yourself in that present moment and you're being mindful of that moment. Mm -hmm. It's essentially... Um, basically what self-care needs to be is like assessing the situation and figuring out, you know, what is happening right now? Um, is, is there something I need to be doing? Is there something that is keeping me from wanting to do this? Is there a reason why I'm procrastinating this or that I feel uh, a certain way? So meditation definitely is um, an underutilized form of self-care mm -hmm. because um, like I said earlier, sometimes we just get so caught up in all these different things that, you know, is happening in life. So I know I'm guilty of that. Like sometimes I'll just be kind of overwhelmed by school and I'll forget, oh, yeah. you know, I've got to make sure that I, you know, take care of myself and take care of my belongings and making sure, you know, everything is where it needs to be. 
Um, yep, 100%. Yeah. So we can't really rely on someone else to hold our hand and tell us what we should do that will benefit our lives in the long run. Sometimes we have to parent ourselves and look ahead and know what is right to do for our future selves. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm telling you that you, you're doing self-care wrong. <laughs> Everyone has their own way of doing self-care. Um, bubble baths are amazing and chocolate cake is wonderfully delicious. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Keep eating the chocolate cake. Um, just don't let it become the escape from your life. Think bigger and have those hard conversations with yourself and ask, okay, self, why do I need to escape my life right now with this chocolate cake? Or is this cake a really treat yourself cake or a self-care cake? Um, is, this, is there something else I could be doing to help my future self instead of sitting in a bubble bath? Maybe I could be spending that time getting ahead on some important task. Um, so final quote from the article, which I think sums up everything we've been saying really well, is um, self-care is deciding how much of your anxiety comes from not actualizing your latent potential and, comes, and how much comes from the way you were being trained to think before you even knew what was happening. Right, and that is especially a product of like just classical conditioning, you know, bringing it, it back to basic psychology. Um, you know, if you, if you uh, have gotten like stressed before um, about a certain situation, like maybe like paying your bills or something, mm -hmm. or just cleaning your apartment. So like as soon as you see, you know, the dirty clothes start to pile up, you're like, man, I am totally thinking of like all these negative negative times associated with this I mean you're not consciously saying this to yourself but right, right. feeling all of these negative emotions associated with it so it's like well the only way to not feel that is to not take care of it and then it yeah. becomes like a slippery slope um, so the thing would be to just you know actually take care of it um, mm -hmm. even though that's sometimes easier said than done oh for um, sure and this also like references some things we've talked about in previous podcasts, like um, the Anselm Reichlin model of um, self-control, where it's like you know we get the most—I um, don't want to say like what is—it's not um, not pleasure reinforcement. We get the most reinforcement from doing a um, short-term task than we do uh, from like a long-term task. Mm -hmm. So it's like you could always. Um, you know, avoid putting away your laundry now, and you'll feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm totally fine with you know not doing this. Um, versus, you're less likely to go through the uncomfortableness of putting away your laundry or do whatever, um, and then experience that even greater reinforcement after you're done. That feeling mm -hmm. of I got something done, in my apartment is clean, or I paid these bills, or anything like that. So it's definitely trying to retrain yourself behaviorally to do this because you know you'd be surprised at how many of us do this on a constant basis. I guess like now I would want to like talk about um, kind of like our experience with meditation, like kind of like how we got into it or like how mm -hmm. we're experiencing that now. Um, and just kind of like, I don't know, give her like our own personal touch to the end of the episode. Our, our journeys. Yes. <laughs> our meditation journeys. Um, so mine definitely started about a year ago. I was training for, I mentioned my, the, the half marathon I ran last year. I was training for that. And what I would do is I would go out and run in the morning and then I would come back and I would do my stretches. And while I was doing my stretches, I would put like some like soft jazz on or something. I love and soft I would jazz. like, exactly. I love it too. Um, <laughs> You, I would just put it on, and I'd just be doing my stretches, and I just, I wouldn't be thinking about anything except the stretches, 
and I didn't realize it was meditation. Mm-hmm. I kind of just accidentally fell into it. Yeah. Um, and it turned out to be great. You know, after going on a hard run where I was like f- having to more mentally push myself than physically push myself because mm-hmm. as any runner knows, it's more of a mental game mm-hmm. than it is a physical game. So after pushing myself, you know, for however long I was running and then coming back and having that time to just have a quiet mind it was great. Mm-hmm. So um, even for every, anyone out there who is like, oh, I don't have any time, you know, like I go work out in the gym, I was, and then I and then I have to go home and do homework. Maybe like during your stretches, instead of listening to some music, just let's be quiet, listen mm-hmm. to some quiet, listen to soft jazz, um, and like kind of have that time as a, for a quiet mind. It might be helpful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I got into meditation. Um, Quite a while ago, um, I was about like maybe like thirteen or fourteen. Whenever, oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> whenever I actually got interested in it, I was um, I was interested in learning more about Buddhism, and I kind of like stumbled upon like meditation as um, as a byproduct of that. I mean, like the whole like um, like concept of Buddhism came about with you know Siddhartha literally just meditating for days and days and days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it's a very central part of the of the of the belief. And um, I just I just started like um, started doing just like silent meditations where I would just like focus on my breath for maybe like five or so minutes, and then it would get to the point where sometimes I could go for like literally thirty minutes. But this was oh like during gosh. this was during uh, high school, whenever I had more of like a like a known structure to my schedule every single day. Mm-hmm. And I know, especially like getting into college, it's been a little bit more difficult for me to keep up that that meditation. Uh, schedule so like now I'm kind of back down to like uh, five to ten minutes just like whenever I can um, but yeah I actually read um, a book called a uh, healthy brain happy life which I tell Madeline about like literally all the time um, it's written by uh, dr. Wendy Suzuki she is um, a a uh, professor up at um, the uh, New York University Center for Neuroscience and uh, she, in, in her book, she wrote a section about meditation and mindfulness and how she kind of got into it. And she um, talked about how she went to this uh, workout class. And then as part of the class towards the very end, they would do like, you know, five or ten minute meditation sessions to kind of like reflect on, uh, reflect on the uh, exercise routine that they did or just like listening to their bodies, you know, if they're hungry, if they're thirsty, what they would need to do to take care of themselves afterwards. And so I started implementing that um, after my workouts because um, like sometimes I will go to the gym and just have like really, what I feel like are really terrible workouts. So I'm just like, you know what, it's, it's all right. And then so afterwards I'll do my stretches and just like sit for five or ten minutes um, and just like kind of meditate. Sometimes I'll put on um, just like light, like orchestra music because um, I know it's like the complete opposite type of music than what I listen to while I'm working out because it's like usually yeah. really loud and fast paced. And so that's a really great way to kind of like switch mindsets um, as well. And it's also just a great way to de-stress because you know you put yourself it through is. stress daily you know no matter like how much or how little stress it is you're always experiencing stress um from from just like a lifestyle standpoint and from like a neurological standpoint you know mm-hmm. um so i mean you have to give your time your your brain time to relax and de-stress like consciously de-stress um because then you start talking about uh, you start getting into like acute versus chronic stress and acute stress is great it's like the short bursts of stress 
um, that, you know, um, motivates you to get things done. Yep. Um, but then like chronic stress, that's when it starts to become like debilitating, you know, you mm-hmm. start losing sleep, you start, you know, just like having all of these like different health issues if it becomes too long, uh, too long in the making. So that's kind of like, I'm still struggling with the, with the whole like, uh, you know, keeping an actual schedule, but you know, we're, we're on that. We're working on that. And I feel like one thing that people get bogged down when it comes to meditation is it needs to be this very stringent thing where they do it every day for a certain amount of time at this time every day. And I feel like working out is the same way, but it's, it's okay if it's a little bit more relaxed, a little bit, just go with the flow. Like, Oh, you know, I found 10 minutes today and I just like kind of sat down and it was, I was, I was, I was able to do meditation in whatever way I chose, whether it be a mantra or mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be so strict. Yeah. I guess is it, it can kind of just go with the flow. And that's what I think is so beautiful and awesome about meditation. Yeah, definitely. I know I definitely thought that, um, especially like being introduced to meditation through Buddhism, it was Mm -hmm. just like, my whole concept originally was just like, you know, you have to find a silent place to sit down for like 45 minutes and you have to, and like you have to have a successful meditation session, (laughs) you know, just like you can't have your thoughts wandering. And that's not exactly the case because you know, like it is with like any behavior, you have to train yourself to like be accustomed to that. And it mm-hmm. takes practice. Yeah. The first time you meditate, it's probably not going to be the best meditation session. But the fact that you tried to, you know, get yourself to be more aware of what you're thinking of and where your thoughts are being pulled towards, you know, that is already a huge success is the yeah. fact that you're starting that journey. Um, so, yeah. And also, it also kind of plays in the fact that, you know, we talk... We, we talk a little bit about like, you know, brain health and, you know, these are the different things that are going on in your brain, but um, there's, we haven't really hit on a lot of stuff in terms of just like taking care of yourself, like psychologically, yeah. um, because, you know, you'd be surprised that, you know, if you're eating right and you have a great sleep schedule and all this sort of stuff, uh, how how like better your brain could work if you just like focused on like gratitude and happiness and being in the present moment um so like neuroscience is a very like awesome field for that uh, because it's like a marriage of like this like biology and also psychology and lifestyle yeah uh, thing that could like benefit a lot of people you, know, you don't have to be neuroscience uh neuroscience students or neuroscientists to like benefit from that for sure and i mean that's also like the goal of this podcast is to help bring neuroscience to the masses while it's not like a brand new field it's definitely a really fast growing field oh recently it's growing in leaps and bounds yes um so whatever way we can contribute to that whether it's just like you know getting uh getting the public to know a little bit more about like meditation and you know telling like telling you guys a little bit about brain waves mm-hmm. um or if it's just like you know about self-care and sitting you down and saying like you need to have this conversation with yourself it's you know just part of growing up and being an adult but also just like you know making sure you're taking care of yourself mm-hmm. which i feel like is a very underrated skill yeah um right now because we tend to have a culture of everything has got to get done now yep you know go 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 all the time yep no we need we need healthy brains we need healthy happy brains that can that we can relax and we can meditate and we can be like all right i'm gonna take care of myself take care of my brain by taking time for it take time for your brain yeah exactly make time for your brain (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so that concludes this episode of the Brain Rules Podcast. If you like what you heard, please share this episode with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Daily Beacon Podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, or your stock podcast app. And be sure to check back for episodes every other week. We hope that you learned something new today, and we'll see you next time.